two friends roasting X-Men origins. Rebecca Rompton nipping Emmett's toes. Canadian carols being sung by Fox. And guests on every episode. Everybody knows whether it's a flop or it's a bop. Hugh Jackman's sideburns turning white. Cyclops with his eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. Because he's dead. And so we're offering this simple phrase from episodes 1 to 92. Although it's been said many times, many ways, fresh out the oven, it's cinema bombs. Fresh out the oven, fresh out the oven. It's Cinema Bombs. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, everyone! I have a little machine, turns humans into clay. I'll use it before it's ready, then the humans it will slay. Oh, Magneto, Magneto turns humans into clay. It's the plot of X-Men 1 and every other X-Men movie. The humans he will slay! Happy Hanukkah, everyone! Happy Hanukkah, everybody! Should old movies be forgot and never brought to mind? Should bad movies be forgot and days of future past? For old movies, my dear, for bold movies, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old movies. Happy, Happy New Year, Year everyone! everyone. <laughs> Woo! Happy saddest song in the world. <laughs> It's a Cinema Bums holiday special. It's fresh out the oven. We are toasty. I'm Wade. And I'm Emma. Happy Happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) And we are joined today by two very special guests. They need no Hmm. introduction because they're going to introduce themselves with their own quippy remarks. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, God. I wasn't prepared for this. I'll, I'll introduce you, Kelly. Okay, wait. I'll introduce you too. Oh, cool. We love that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, across from the table is the one and the only <laughs> Kelly. That's all I have. Is that okay? Yeah. She's great. We love her. She's wearing a cute Santa hat. Ah, uh, it is plaid, which is a superior pattern. Yeah, cute Santa hat. Yeah. Superior to which? Which is yeah. which? Which, oh, which? Like stripes or polka dots mm. or checked or some uh, hot tooth. Already okay, some yeah, hot Okay, takes. listen. <laughs> Houndstooth, not a pattern. It can get the hell out of here. That's something for it's chef's pants. It is not something for bags or for pea coats. Get out of here. Interesting. Across my table <laughs> from this me. This is not your table. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 
is our sweet lady, Laura. Yay. And you gotta say it like that, Laura. 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 She likes to dye her hair a lot, and she yeah. always looks hot. I just dyed it today. Yeah. Thanks for being here, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your song. At no point did I know where it was going, no. uh, where it came from, or when <laughs> it was going to end. Yes. You don't know those old holiday classics? Wait, you never heard the old holiday classic of um should old movies be forgot i've never heard anything so sweet so it was uh, brought tears to my eyes yeah. truly mm. so this is a little holiday special as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts i always get a little annoyed that podcasts don't put out episodes over the holidays because it's normally when i have more time to listen to podcasts mm, true. Mm-hmm. when i have time off and i'm driving and i'm sitting around so we didn't want to take a week off but we wanted to take the chance to to talk about the year that was 2020 yeah <laughs> we made it through and the movies we watched during it let's talk about the way we watched movies this year yeah because it was different than any year before i guess uh, how do you guys feel about watching movies mostly at home the way we've watched new movies this year as opposed to previous years and the types of movies we're seeing i was just gonna say my movie watching has changed exponentially since i became friends with you wade because you love going <laughs> to see movies and so i feel like i started seeing movies in theaters so much more when we became friends and then living together it would be like a probably like at least bi-weekly thing so i feel like it changed it was such a sudden change like living with you and going so much and then just being like we now have our tv which has this weird ghosty thing at the bottom of it oh yeah we watched so many movies on that terrible tv (laughs) and you making us still delicious popcorn every time but just like a full different experience like it's like it used to be such like an outing like a fun event it still is a fun event but it's like i'm still in my house like i'm not as like it's not this like a yeah event i have a very similar experience to kelly because i love going to the movies but i would go to the movies maybe four times a year max mm. that's a bit much growing up except i would go on five dollar tuesdays when i could because that was a great deal yeah so yeah in the last couple of years while we've been dating i have gone to the movies a lot so much and it's so fun i love it it really has like it's a very sentimental uh experience for me now and also it's very weird not having that date night that date night movie date mm. um which is just so fun and and it really is an experience like going with a group of friends to go see a horribly scary movie or, or you know it's just it's just something great to do that everybody is usually down for and it is strange but it is a bit more comfy um at home on the couch that's wrapped true. in blankets that's true i love going to the movie theater so much like i love going to see movies in movie theaters so much that i would almost rather go see a movie that i didn't like than not do anything you know like if i could go and watch a bad action movie at the 250 cinema i would rather do that than like just do something else with the rest of my afternoon just because i enjoy going to a movie and like that whole thing i think it's really exciting i think seeing stuff on the big screen is really awesome um, and I don't think like I do think that's true of action movies and of like big blockbuster films. But I think it's equally true of like a movie like a big drama that I can think of that I loved on the big screen was Phantom Thread. 
from a few years ago, which was like totally something that would have worked on the small screen, but seeing it on the big screen was something else. You know, it's like, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's special to have that space where you go and like everyone in that space agrees. Like there's certain rules here. We're all going to be quiet. We're all going to focus on the film. We're not, nobody's going to like do anything really to distract from anybody else's experience of it. I think that's pretty cool. I miss it a lot. On the other hand, I think we've watched a lot more movies this year and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that is a good point. We did watch more movies this year than I watch in a regular year because they're a lot more accessible at home, which is not nothing. I do really miss going to the theaters. It's not something I'm worried about. Mm. Like, I think for sure it will come back. Mm. And I think it will come back in much the same way. (laughs) <laughs> that it was when we left and and if there are changes maybe they're for the better you know uh yeah but i would say the way i watch movies was fundamentally changed this year because i used to be a person who would really only go and watch movies in the theater like i didn't really like watching movies at home and so if i ever did watch like a movie I ha- a new movie of that year it would be like on my ipad or on my laptop or on like the quarter busted screen we had so a big change this year is that I actually bought a nice TV because I was like, if this is going to be how we watch yeah. new movies. Yeah. And so I think that normalization of a new movie, like that it's something you still get excited for, but you just turn it on in your house. That has been in some ways a cool thing. And there has been a lot of good stuff that came out this year. Like, I think there are some people who just think that no movies at all came out this year, but there have been like a lot of great movies that have come out this year. Yeah. I want to ask you guys about the kinds of movies that came out because it was very interesting to see all of the big blockbusters obviously immediately got pushed back like the fast and furious the black widow the james bond that stuff was immediately like next year but also any big awardsy stuff that felt like maybe it was going to make a lot of money also got pushed back like stuff like nomad land or One Night in Miami that would normally be coming out in theaters this time of year Mm -hmm. if it wasn't bought by a streaming service. Like, that stuff also kind of got pushed back. The things that were supposed to be in theaters that did get released were, like, animated movies, Uh like Trolls World Tour, Scoob, or Soul. Is Scoob out? Scoob came out, like, in May. (laughs) (laughs) I... Okay. There's a little I, Christmas treat for you. Yeah, it? no kidding. <laughs> and it was like studio comedies, which were which they just shoved out the door. Yeah. Like Palm Springs or Happiest Season, mm-hmm. like big comedies that were supposed to play in theaters. Did you guys miss seeing a blockbuster, like a big tentpole Avengers style movie or has it been just as engaging without them? For me, the things that they did push out are the things I probably enjoyed the most. Mm. So like, I mean, we got to see Tenet, which pretty much filled that, that (laughs) one action movie per year need of mine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But I really enjoy animated. I love Trolls World Tour. It was awesome. And I love Palm Springs. And I just love mm-hmm. those little, like, kitschy films or kid films or, like, just small art films. Like, I prefer those to the big movies, um, usually. So, I mean, there was a little bit missed just by, like, not having the excitement of going. But as far as genre, I, I was satisfied. I feel like it's pretty uh, 50-50 for me. 
I I really there's a couple I was really like looking for like Quiet Place Two, and like I really want to see the um, Black Widow movie, um, just stuff like that. There, but I I'm kind of more into like the indie arts films, so stuff like like Palm Springs or Vast of Night that still did come out and I like loved and it was fine watching those in my home and like I kind of actually almost enjoyed and maybe preferred those in my home because I was with you guys or like another one of our friends and like being able to like discuss it and be like really like oh my gosh like we're not in separate cars driving home like we get to like immediately to discuss Mm. this Mm. like oh my gosh, this one moment. Oh yeah, I love that. So I, I think it's like 50-50 for me. I will say this year, like honestly, I enjoyed a lot more rewatching old stuff. Mm-hmm. I weren't like, I know that's not really what this is, this episode's for, but I just like, there's a lot of stuff from from the past and from like old classic movies that I really wa- enjoyed watching this year because like when you're forced to go and watch it on streaming, everything is like kind of on equal footing, mm-hmm. you know? So like, you're just as likely to go watch something from 20, like that's also like years ago. doing like comfort movies. Cause this yeah. year has been like, so you're like, I know I like this. I don't mm-hmm. like everything else sucks. So I'm going to do go with like, something I know is going to make me happy. Yeah. I feel about the blockbuster movies kind of the same as theaters. Like I like them, but I know they'll be back. Mm-hmm. I do every now and then miss the hype cycle. Like, I miss getting to watch a really cool trailer for a movie and being like, I can't believe that is coming out. (laughs) And I also think the further they all keep getting pushed back, like, the weirder it's going to be when they all come out at once. Because these are also the only types of movies that are filming right now because they're the only ones big enough to, like, afford to take the proper precautions. So it's like Jurassic World, which shot for, like... Uh, a year and a half because of how slow they were filming because of covid or um like mission impossible like those are the movies that are being actively made right now so it's like whenever they do think that it's financially possible to drop them i feel like we're just going to get like one a week and then we're going to be numb to that too you know yeah for sure Yeah, that would be that'll be absolutely nuts That'll be crazy. I also really miss seeing good horror movies because I will not really... I love watching horror movies, but they really scare me, so I won't seek them out. But when one is coming out that looks good, I will always go see it. And I really miss that. It feels like they've only put out sort of like the schlocky garbage this year. Mm -hmm. They've been sitting on all those good ones. I'm absolutely buzzing to watch St. Maud, which is one of the movies that came out in britain because they have functioning cinemas and just has no release plan in america because they don't want to drop it on streaming but it's also they're not going to make any money if they put it in theaters how do you guys see the future into 2021 shaping up a little bit obviously we know how things are now some cinemas are open in a very limited release but no real movies are getting released there we just heard that Warner Brothers are putting all of their movies on streaming as well as in theaters for all of 2021. So stuff like Dune, The Matrix 4, The Suicide Squad, Space Jam 2, all of that stuff is going to be released at home for free. Disney also just announced 400 new titles coming just to Disney+. Plus. So how, how do we see, obviously things are moving towards streaming, how do we see the future of this next year rolling out? I feel like at a certain point, you've got like you've got to consider the fact 
that you are saving money by buying yourself a nice big TV and a subscription <laughs> to Warner Brothers or to like HBO Max to watch all those Warner Brothers movies mm-hmm. or to Disney to watch like The Mandalorian or like whatever other bazillion things they're doing. Yeah. I am certain also that movie theaters will be coming back, but I feel as though they're like prime time, like they're heyday. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, they're heyday. I feel like they're, when our, when we have kids, I feel like the movies will not be something people do, but possibly something like our kids do as a way to be like, look at this cool old thing that people used to go do, mm, mm. which is like really weird to think about. And that might not be, that might not even be true. But I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I wonder if because of this, like going to the movies is just like becoming a way more casual thing, just maybe a thing like people do less. I don't know, just kind of slowly over the years. This is kind of the gateway to like rely on streaming for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that this pandemic is going to get blamed for a lot of things by movie studios Mm. that I think were already happening. Well, which we've talked on the podcast a little bit, tracking how the most popular movies of the year have changed Mm -hmm. over the last two decades. Mm -hmm. But I think already people will not really go out to see an adult drama. You know, like, we will, like, people will, but, like, right now it's sort of, like, what you go see in theaters are the big tent poles, like, the Star Wars, the MCU, the things that you are scared to have spoiled for you. It's worth, I mean, it is worth noting that cinemas did close down in 1918 for the influenza and bounce back after that, as we've seen. There also wasn't streaming, though. There was, like, no way to access Mm. that kind of thing. That's a good point. Um, which I feel like uh, already with the existence of Netflix had been and not like uh, Netflix. I feel like Netflix started streaming kind of. I feel like with its existence, movie ship has already like been on the decline. I also think it's interesting that the only people making like crazy money at the movie theaters are these big studios. And now what those studios are trying to do is get on streaming like, it's, like, already the only people who were making money were Disney off of Star Wars or yeah. Frozen. But now, like, they're trying to get you to go to Disney Plus for those things. I mean, it's also noteworthy that, like, if you're a family of five mm-hmm. and you want to go see Soul. Sure. And you live in, say, Atlanta. Uh-huh. You can go to the movie theaters and that's 200 bucks <laughs> with popcorn and tickets. Yeah. Or you could pay $8 for a month of Disney Plus and watch it there for free, you know? So I think like that's just a huge reality for people too. I do want to say just briefly, don't have anything to say about this. I think and will always think it is very suspicious how many things ended in 2019. This is not a conspiracy theory. I just think it's really interesting (laughs) that Disney finished buying Fox, which they had spent three years trying to do. Uh-huh. finished Star Wars, uh-huh. finished the MCU uh-huh. and the Avengers, yeah. and launched Disney+, Plus, and HBO finished Game of Thrones, and launched HBO Max, all in the one year before cinemas closed. Do you think Disney did COVID? Disney did COVID. Disney Wait, did COVID. they were in China doing the live action Mulan. Disney did COVID. You think... <laughs> Ground Zero, <laughs> Ground was Zero was at was on the Mulan oh set. Gosh. This goes all the way up. If we 
are Guys, dead by the time you yeah. listen to this <laughs> podcast. You have to go and track down the truth. The deep truth. We want deep truthers. All right. One last point before we get into recommending some <laughs> movies. I just want to talk about this year really being big for theater on film. Mm-hmm. So I've got some lists here. These are the projects we had in terms of professionally filmed and released big theatrical performances. This is a rough list I've assembled. I might be missing some. We've got Hamilton, David Byrne's American Utopia, The Boys in the Band, What the Constitution Means to Me. Uh, I guess The Boys in the Band would be a film. So here are some of the other films made out of plays. The Prom, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Wild Mountain Time, Blythe Spirit, One Night in Miami. And that's not including the ones that were scheduled for this year and got pushed back, including West Side Story, In the Heights, Diana the Musical, Dear Evan Hansen, 13 and Wicked. So a pretty huge year for theater on film. What do you guys make of that? Did American Sun also come out this year on Netflix? I think so, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I don't even know what it is. It's a play. It's Carrie Washington Washington and Jeremy Jeremy Jordan. Jordan. It's about police brutality also. I think it's really a very good thing. I think it's a very good thing for, hopefully, I think it can be a very good thing for a future theatrical productions for maybe the return of Broadway because I think you're having a lot of people at home watching things and I think you're going to have a lot of people watching theater and a lot of these shows will be still running on Broadway when everything opens back up like Wicked pretty sure the prom's still there Hamilton's still there Mm -hmm. Um, interestingly Diana the musical was set to open never did and is now going to be a live performance of it is going to be filmed and released as a movie prior to Broadway opening back up and people being able to see it in person for the first time. Wow. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. I think a lot of the things filmed straight from Broadway are going to be very helpful. Um, I, I think that is a point of contention a lot of times because a lot of theater artists, Broadway artists, don't like people watching bootlegs or don't necessarily like the thought of people watching on TV because um, then it takes away from people coming to see it. But I don't think that is the case. I think people recognize that seeing something live is so different than seeing it even filmed live and i think you're going to create fans out of putting that kind of stuff on streaming platforms and i think people will want to go see it i still want to see hamilton in person just because i watched the live filmed version and a bootleg does not mean i don't want to go see it in person so i think it's really interesting i hope it sparks like a love for that and reminds people of their love for that so that they can have that support still when they reopen because they're certainly going to need it um and i really hope that that translates over. I think there's also a danger of possibly movies like The Prom, um, where it is clearly mm. like just not anywhere close to as good as the actual Broadway musical. All the actors, most of the choreography, the way they use the songs, just not even close to as good as the actual show. And people might be like, that's not good. I don't want to see that. Um, but it's really not a fair representation of what it actually is. So there's also a risk there. I hope that it's a more positive than negative thing, but I think it could be either one. It does cause me pause, though, because I'm concerned about the future of theater in that. I mean, Broadway is already so commercialized, but then maybe only wanting to produce shows that are like palatable to a much larger, broader audience and not like really pushing theater and like doing shows that are important or still good, but maybe not going to make the money of being films at a later date. I feel like that has been happening for a very long time. Yeah. Especially when they're trying to like quickly earn back a lot of money that they've lost over the past year, possibly like not 
signing on to do shows that are like a little bit more deep. Well said. I think it's also notable like the quality of film performances we got this year was raised so exponentially. Like in Hamilton, which we have to talk about, and in David Byrne's American Utopia, filmed amazingly by Spike Lee. Both of those, you're not getting the experience of being in the audience. Like you are seeing a version of that show that no one else is seeing because they're doing close-ups. They're moving the camera around while the actors are there. They've watched the show 30 times and they're like filming a movie on stage out of those people. So it's like that isn't really replacing the experience of sitting in a theater and watching it. And it's also gives you kind of more of an appreciation for what those people are doing when you are five feet away from them as opposed to when you're 500 feet away from them. It's just like appreciating the different kinds of acting they're doing at the same time. And I'm much more interested in seeing film performances like that rather than just sort of like the film performances it feels like we've gotten a lot of, which is like back of the house, flat on, maybe a couple cuts to the sides, just like someone filming a show, giving you the experience of sitting in the best seat of the house rather than making a meal out of it, you know? Right, yeah. Cool. Well, let's get into actually recommending some of our favorite movies of the year. Okay. I want to segue seamlessly into talking about Hamilton. This is a movie I didn't necessarily think would be fair to include on my list of favorite films because it's a film performance, but it absolutely was one of the 10 favorite things I watched this year. It was... I think to me the thing that felt closest to a blockbuster, Hmm. like the thing that I was the most hyped to see that Disney Plus marketed the best and that I sort of planned a weekend around as opposed to anything else, they dropped it on July 4th. Yeah, I think even as someone, I know that Hamilton has sort of run the gamut from being the coolest thing in the world to like the most overhyped thing of the world to like an interesting examination of what that time was like in America back to being very popular but as someone who listened to the soundtrack a lot when it first came out i still learned so much from watching it that i had no idea kelly thoughts on hamilton wow i was obsessed i've been obsessed with hamilton actually for since like 2009 when uh lin-manuel miranda sang the titular song alexander hamilton at the white house correspondence dinner um and he said he was just gonna make a mixtape out of it and at that point i was like oh this is incredible and then i was one of those people who were like when it came out i loved it but then i was like everyone needs to stop talking about it. it's overhyped i hate it and then i wouldn't listen to it for like three years i've kind of come back around to in the past year being like it's still actually so good but watching it it is like it was incredible like chills like i will sometimes just go back and watch specific scenes of it because they just Mm -hmm. like made such an impact on me and like there's just things you don't get from listening to the soundtrack Mm -hmm. that you're like oh this is what's happening in this moment and the performances i it's insane the like dancing the singing the just like the subtle moments there's so many subtleties in it from like the characters not even the forefront characters but the ones like standing behind and i yeah i agree the way it was filmed because it was filmed like back of house like one stand camera but you really get to see all of that because of the camera angles that being so well done. It was one of my favorite things I also watched this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I absolutely loved it. Coming from someone who didn't really listen to the soundtrack that much, but like recognized that it was just like kind of a masterpiece. It's a great 
experience. It was, it was, I felt really lucky being able to watch it. Um, and I'm really glad that they made that accessible to so many people. I think it coming out on July 4th after the murder of George Floyd and a slew in the mm. middle of Black Lives Matter protests, really in the, the heat of it all right there, led to some really interesting conversations regarding Hamilton, which I don't think have really been brought to light and that kind of allowed for a lot of good conversations about that. Just that it is a show that gives uh, so many people of color opportunity in playing roles that typically wouldn't be played by people of color in any sort of historical play or, or musical. So I think there is some wonderful, wonderful opportunity there and work that was done to make sure that happened. And even in the touring companies as well, it was a consistent thing and it's an important thing. I think the interesting conversation that happened is the importance of recognizing that these people that are kind of being glorified in this musical shouldn't be. And Hamilton does glorify those people and their stories and makes them out to be heroes when a lot of them did a lot of horrible things to black people to indigenous people and it's just definitely something to be considered i would still recommend watching this musical it's an incredible musical i just think it coming out on july 4th came with a lot of mixed feelings for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and i think it is a wonderful thing to watch but to keep that in mind and maybe to keep that in mind going forward as a creator as a performer as someone who just takes in art and theater um to recognize why it's important to have people of color playing any roles and as giving them as much opportunity as possible and more, but also recognizing that the stories need to be real and the importance of not glorifying the people of America's past um, that shouldn't be glorified. So I think I would definitely Mm -hmm. recommend it, but that's something to keep in mind when you watch it going forward and, and when you watch all things going forward. Well said. Two takeaways from it that I didn't get from listening to the soundtrack. I'd just like to mention one that David Diggs is the most incredible performer in <laughs> yes. the world. Literally yes. for most of this year, every single day after seeing it, I have thought in my head of different movies I could write to get David Diggs to be in them because he is so amazing in it. Also that Anthony Ramos's uh, Lawrence is in love with Alexander Hamilton, which changed the way I see a lot of that musical. Yes, which is, is something that I you never would have known listening to the soundtrack, but watching the performances, like that whole queer aspect was very moving. Uh, that's Hamilton on Disney+. <laughs> Plus. Emmett, you got some movie regs for us? I do, I do. 1917. Mm. Woo. Um, Sorry, can I... A little disclaimer about how I do this. I make a year-end list every year, and a list of all the movies I watch every year. They're based on wide release dates, not on limited release dates. So what most critics do is movie theaters will put out their big awards movies in a limited release, which means just in New York and L.A., in the very end of the calendar year, and then wide release it in the coming months. And so I always base my dates off of when people could actually see it. Okay. So this year, 1917 and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which came out in January and February, are on my 2020 list whether they were on most critics' 2019 list, and things like Nomadland and One Night in Miami, which are on a lot of critics' best of 2020 lists, but aren't coming out until February for us to see. 2021. So I see. Sam Mendes' 1917. It's awesome. Uh, George McKay. Mm. 
is crazy good at it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like. There's not a lot of speaking in this movie. It's a lot of physical acting. It's a lot of like his eyes telling the story. It's a lot of crazy, terrible things happening to this yeah. poor man as he just runs across the trenches. It's affecting. It's moving. It probably glorifies war and all that other BS that we don't like about war movies, but it is totally one of the better ones, I would say. Also uh, shot by the legendary Roger Deakins, um, and it is gorgeous. Yeah, the cinematography alone should be like, is a reason to go see it. Also, just like, it's so unique in that you're on the journey with these one, two people the whole time and you have no idea what else is going on in the movie which you never get to really experience and it was awesome but you but that the whole world is there it's built yeah. and they're running through it but yeah exactly you, you don't know, know anything but what they know yeah i don't think we mentioned the main conceit but this is a world war one movie that is made to look in one shot the whole entire time so it takes place in real time in one shot the camera never breaks yeah also from Sam Mendes, who's a director I really like, the whole movie is kind of a love letter to his grandfather, who was a World War One soldier and then a very famous poet after that, wow. writing about his experience in the war. And a lot of it is based on stories he told. So. Wow, that's really cool. That's also, so uh, co-written by Christy uh, oh, Christy Wilson Cairns. Christy Wilson Cairns, yes. Who um, is also writing what was my most anticipated movie of this year and is now my most anticipated movie of next year, One Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright film, and is also writing, co-writing with Taika Waititi, his Star Wars movie. Whoa. I have like three that I wrote down that are just like my top three movies. My top three were Bad Education, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Vast of Night. Mm. So. So let's talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's just awesome. It's beautiful. It's stunning. I watched it with Wade and our friend Adam. And Adam and I did not know the premise of this movie when we went into it. And you know when you watch a movie and you're like, wow, those people have chemistry. Like, they got some sexual tension, you know. Um, like uh, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. Precisely. You're oh, like, wow, wow, this is this is very homoerotic. This is incredible. So me and Adam were sitting there and we're like, these girls love each other. We're like, come on. Like mm-hmm. they love each other. Like they're going to kiss. Like, come on. Totally, jo- totally joking. But there was serious tension there. So we were just like, yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Um, it is a gay film. <laughs> <laughs> and when they kissed, we were like, wait, wait, is this a gay film? This is a gay film. This is a lesbian film. Um, and he was like, yeah, I knew the whole time. <laughs> Um, and it was incredible and beautiful. Yes, I don't know. That was just a funny story from my experience watching it. But it made me cry. Stunning cinematography. Mm-hmm. It's about um an artist who is hired to paint this other woman's portrait and their um their love for one another that is not allowed. It is a secret. Damn. Yeah, it's a French period piece. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and really tender and. I love seeing the work of female directors. And when you see movies like this, it makes you want to see it so much more because mm-hmm. it's like a, a, the type of story you've seen before, but told from a way that never gets told. Yeah. And yeah, that's available to stream on Hulu. Kelly, you got a, a movie to talk about? My top two 
were uh definitely birds of prey Mm. but i think my my number one is palm springs oh yeah i loved that movie so much it's kind of everything i love like hawaiian shirts and andy samberg (laughs) it is very (laughs) like desert vibes relevant to your all things i love andy samberg and hawaiian shirts (laughs) that's all of them (laughs) that's all i love it was so good i love like a little like funny indie like quirky comedy kind of thing i also felt it wouldn't come out july ish it was like uh, yeah we watched it on my birthday or uh, right after my birthday yeah 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 yeah. so uh, i watched it with wade and our other friend ashlyn and it was just like really fun to see the premise is these two characters get stuck together in a time loop time loop they are just repeating the same day over and over it's the female character's sister's wedding day (laughs) and it is so good it also reminded me so much of quarantine Mm -hmm. um i felt like i was like timely i i feel these characters like agony of being stuck in the same day and not going anywhere um but it's also you know they got out of it they worked through it they learned to love it it gives me hope for when the next shutdown comes i will be able to endure it yeah we'll just watch that movie again and it'll be fine yeah yeah. um no i think it's really sweet and there was like a lot of like very actually like deep and profound moments in it as well as being like hilarious and very well shot for like a small budget smaller budget like comedy film highly recommend 10 out of 10 (laughs) go watch it and you love we love our man andy yeah, I love this movie. I love getting to watch it with you. I, as a writer, was so impressed because I feel like we get a lot of these time loop Groundhog Day movies, and they're always a metaphor for the same thing. And it's like a good, solid metaphor, but it's always like that the protagonist is trapped in an emotional moment. And they need to learn how to move past it. It's a physicalization of that metaphor. And so this movie, using it as a metaphor for monogamy and for thinking about how like most people live the same day of their life every day in committed relationships and like how do you value yourself and find enjoyment and like not get lost in the repetition like how do you find the stuff in that i thought was so cool and lovely that's palm springs on hulu and i want to tell this to you kelly i'm not sure if you've heard this at their four hour long investor meeting the other day Disney Plus announced a live-action Rescue Rangers starring Andy Samberg as Chip and John Mulaney as Dale. (laughs) Unbelievable. Kelly's dreams have come true. I'm going to pass away now. (laughs) Wow. Uh, We'd love to see it. Emmett, anything else? Other movies? Other movies we want to talk about? Other movies. Artemis Fowl. Um... (laughs) Kenneth Branagh's Kenneth Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl. Adapted from Ewan Colfer's or, or, or Yeah, Kurt novel Fowl's. available on Disney Plus. It's starring Fergus Shaw, Laura O'Donnell, Josh Gad, and Nanzo Anazi as the butler. Um, and Kenneth Branagh did not decide to play Artemis Fowl in this adaptation. Shocking. Shockingly. <laughs> I the wish he had. I wish he had. This movie makes how much sense, Wade? How much sense does this movie make? Um, 32? 32? 32 cents. 32 cents? It made about 32 cents. It looks like it was made for about 32 cents. Josh Gad's jaw unhinges at one point, and it's the most horrifying <laughs> thing. At several points. I've seen since 
the part that you know what I'm talking about in Midsummer, hmm. and and you're recommending this to us? No, I'm just saying <laughs> okay, it's, okay, it's okay. a movie <laughs> that we watched that I had to just like shout out for being the weirdest imaginable. <laughs> It's nice, good to know. Movie that we got drunk and watched at one o'clock on a rainy Sunday, which is how I would recommend doing it. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna watch it, do it that way. Other movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. Woo! The last movie that Wade and I saw in theaters. I Wade saw something else after this, but this last one I saw in theaters, and that was a lovely night. It was a lovely night. I cut your hair. Yo, it was right after Valentine's Day because this movie came out on Valentine's Day, and. We listened to that 20-minute Green Day album, uh-huh. and then we watched out. We went out and we watched this movie by it's a ourselves. Weird night. No, it yeah. sounds like a sweet like Valentine's Day between it you was. guys. It was. It was very nice. sweet. It was nice, and uh, so was this movie. This movie is so sweet. This movie is about uh, Ben Schwartz uh, <laughs> yes. as a blue porcupine-shaped space alien named Sonic the Hedgehog, um, who befriends good guy cop James Marston. <laughs> This is a fictional kids movie. Against bad guy scientist Jim Carrey. <laughs> and and like mayhem and hilarity ensues. It I, I you have to go watch it. It's incredible. I will. Uh yeah. Maybe. Highly recommended. I've for a long time said that to be truly great, a movie needs to have a dance sequence. And one of the <laughs> best dance uh the best dance sequence of the year from Jim Carrey in this. Yeah. Incredible. And one of the best, like, physicalizations of a villain. Yeah. Great to see him having so much fun. Ben Schwartz, killer. Killer. Yeah. Ben hey, Schwartz yeah. is always a killer. Speaking of Ben Schwartz, we don't like to talk about TV on this podcast, but is there Ooh. something you wanted to mention, Laura? Middle Ditch and Schwartz, baby. It's amazing. I've watched it four times. It's a series um, of four-part four part series. Three-part three three. series. Three-part series um, featuring our good, dear friend, Kay Evans. She's in it. Um, she she's the star of it. Um, you have to watch all the episodes to find out which one she's in. She is the star of it. sits in her lap. Yeah, don't give it I'm away. Just sorry. Gave it away. Wait, can cut this out. It's a little tease. It's a little wow. It's wonderful. It's an improv comedy series. Just Middle Ditch, Tom, Tom Middle Ditch, and Ben Schwartz working together, tag teaming some hilarious sketches based off of audience um, questions and stories. I, I do want to just like give a shout out to this improv. I've it's fine. It's not ever been my favorite thing ever to watch. I adore this it is some of the best spontaneous acting and they have like the best chemistry like just they know exactly what they're doing i cannot recommend it enough i quote it all the time also it's so funny that it's easy to not mention that they shoot the hell out of that thing like it is so well shot it puts you in the head of the improvers because they are following their physical movement they are doing so closely that you are like on the edge of your seat trying what could they possibly do yeah what trying to think of next? what comes next because they're also such kinetic performers it's so stressful to watch now i want to watch it <laughs> yeah i may go home it's and watch really it <laughs> that's middle ditch and schwartz on netflix emmett the movie 40 year old version is mm. one of my favorites that we watched together this year mm-hmm. um it is was written and directed and starred rada blanc as basically herself. playing a, a version of herself <laughs> as she navigates being a teacher having a career in theater as a playwright and director and then also becoming uh, a rapper <laughs> yep. in this movie mm-hmm. of which it's awesome uh and it's like her like story about how she finds her voice 
um, right before she turns 40. And I think this is like such a funny movie and it like takes so many different strange turns that you don't think it's going to and is like sweet in strange moments and raunchy in other strange moments and just like just like such a just like such a joy to behold the actors Peter Kim as Archie her manager he's fantastic Oswin Benjamin as D who is her producer um, he's really good at he's it. so good he's so good Reed Burney as Jay Whitman who's just a delicious villain in this <laughs> in this movie and all of the kids in it I'm not gonna They're list awesome. all their names here but they are all great funny heartfelt incredible true, true to life students um, yeah just a, a real winner for me incredible really represents what i've seen of both scenes it's about in hip-hop and in theater mm. and uh very funny too a 40 year old version on netflix so this is one that we all watch together like let me just preface by saying this is not one that i'm recommending our listeners to go watch but this is a movie that i think we should talk about because it was a very well-made movie that that like affected all of us Mm-hmm. pretty like pretty viscerally so mm-hmm. the movie is and i want to warn listeners who might be thinking of thirst watching this movie <laughs> think twice don't do it <laughs> the devil all the time starring robert pattinson tom holland sebastian stan riley Keough, Haley bennett and bill skarsgård written and directed by antonio campos no lie in the title the devil all the time all the time pretty not, brutal not some of the time all the time i'm gonna be honest i mostly thirst watched it like i was like interested in it but i was like "Mm." and then i i mean i'm i'm glad i seen it maybe it was brutal it is one of the most brutal movies i've ever watched in my life and you know what i had to go tell my 17 year old younger sister i was like i know you love tom holland just don't do it. I was <laughs> like, there's going to be so many, there's going to be so many like young teen girls who watch this movie and just are in for mm-hmm. a trip. Maybe they won't even get through it because I'm sure as a 16 year old girl, I would pause that and never look back. Dude, when, after like the first time. Yeah, Dudley tw- drops the spiders on his face after no. that. Yeah, I, I almost, I thought about it. I was like, no, but I've, I was already so powered through half of it. I was like, I'm going to keep going. But yeah. we all went through it together. So yeah, that it was- helped. I do want to say that Tom Holland is incredible. In this oh, movie. the acting is the acting by everyone is is yes. so great. It still, in my opinion, does not quite make it worth it. No, absolutely. I think it's great cinematography and some incredible performances wasted on just like pointless poverty born. Yeah, it screwed me up for like several weeks in mm-hmm. ways that I wasn't like fully conscious that it was the cause of. Mm. But like would have nightmares like horrible stuff that like I think I was thinking about that movie for a long time because it's so ugh. yeah it also is interesting because Wade and Emmett are both Ohioans is that how you say that My mom's <laughs> kind of Ohio. you you have Ohio roots okay. and I'm a West Virginian I don't know it was like that was I feel like also another big draw is like oh this oh, is like yeah. where we're grew up kind of and have like semi roots and so we're like let's like go and then it also it made it sad because it's still very a lot like what i know of west virginia uh the way i mean set in the 50s but just like this sad beating on of life there's a lot more murder in it though (laughs) there is a lot of deaths cool so i brought along a list these are 10 films that are sort of my favorite films that were released from 
January to November this year. We are recording this on December 18th, so this will be probably a little bit different from my actual finalized mm. 10 favorite movies of the year just because I'm going to cram a lot <laughs> in these last two weeks and also because some stuff hasn't released. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for context, the movies that I haven't seen yet, but one and two that already came out this year, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, First Cow, The Nest, Small Axe, Mank, Sound of Metal, and Wolf Walkers. Hmm. And we have also not seen, because they're not out yet, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Another Round, Soul, Wonder Woman 1984, and Promising Young Woman. So many more. <laughs> so many movies. All oh. of which could very easily make it on to my list if I watch them in time. I don't even think there's that many days left in the year. There might not be, or there might be just the exact number. <laughs> so you better get you to You can it. double up a few days. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, on Christmas Day, Soul and Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, so you can so double we're going to watch both Christmas. of those. Also, the Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel is coming oh, out on Christmas Day. So that's yeah. what I'm going to be watching First, on Netflix. I'm not even going to see my family on Christmas Day until I've seen that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Why would you? You have to know what I said, happens. I can't possibly come up in presents right now. I'm watching the sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. So please, <laughs> and they should give me peace. That. All right, here we go. <laughs> that's uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> roughly ordered number ten, Boy State. This is a documentary on Apple TV Plus, which is about the summer camp boy state, which is not a thing I knew existed, but it's a summer camp where thousands of teenage boys come together and form their own government for a week. It is set in 2018 in the Texas chapter and sort of loosely follows four boys from different socioeconomical backgrounds coming into it and sort of how they vie for running of president of this government. Kelly, thoughts on Boy State? This is maybe one of my top five. This is definitely in my top five favorite movies of the year. I knew nothing about it going into it, but you, I think about it all the time. I was trying to convince, talk to my brother about it, me like trying to convince him to watch it a few weeks ago. It really like, it was so interesting because I went into it. I know about Boy State via the South Carolina chapter of it because I used to work in a theater over the summers that was on a college campus that had Bo- Boy State and we would cross paths with them. And I hated them. Because they were teenage boys, and but you know, it was, they were very frustrating to deal with. So I had a negative connotation. So I was like, "Oh yeah, let's like watch this movie so I can hate on them some more." But it was incredibly eye opening. It also made me kind of realize like that, like looks. I can't judge a person based on where they come from, mm. um, especially socioeconomically, and especially in the South. I think there are a lot of people i put labels on of like not being empathetic or not at the end of the day being into this or that but seeing these boys who are teenagers 17 18 16 years old uh come together and create something and even though they don't have the same ideals and ideas and a lot of different things they're still able to come together and create something and it was so it was like a very emotional very beautiful it kind of made me like look at the relationships in my lives very close people that I disagree with heavily on a lot of political stuff and just seeing how like, Oh wow, these, you know, 16 year old boys are able to deal with this and work through it and like still have empathy for each other and love and care for one another. 
Um, it was really impactful, really powerful. I think it's one of the craziest documentaries. Yeah, very well said. And it is like just very intense. And it's like, I don't know if they can get it together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I also think that it is sort of, for me, the best of reality TV. Mm. Like it captures that feeling of watching things happen in real life when there are like such huge stakes on uh, in such a way that it's like I would recommend if anyone likes watching reality TV and maybe thinks a political documentary is not what you're into. I suspect that anyone watching this movie would be invested in what's going on. Oh, it's juicy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number nine. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. This was the DC Comics movie that came out this year. It's about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. It's a breakup movie, I guess, about her breaking up with the Joker and then finding that everyone in the city wants to kill her when she's no longer under Joker's protection and kind of going on some wild adventures facing off against ewan mcgregor's incredible villain black mask it's an r-rated irreverent violent sort of action comedy i loved it i also have one part that i truly remember that just sticks out in my brain and that's that incredible breakfast sandwich oh yeah think about it all the time <laughs> it looks incredible yeah. all the time there baby. was just an emmett the you should go back and watch it just for the breakfast sandwich. I'll go and find a picture of it. There was just like this one scene that really put a lot of emphasis on this breakfast sandwich she had. It looked incredible. And I'm hungry just talking about it. That was the best part of the movie. No, I'm just kidding. It was incredible. It was a good movie. It was a great action movie. Great um, female-led action movie. It was killer. What stood out to me about it was like the how sexualized Harley Quinn is in like everything we've seen her in. Mm-hmm. But like watching her be directed by a female and like, oh my gosh, her hair's actually up. Like there's like a scene where they're fighting one of the girls like has her hair down, the other girl hands her a hair tie. Like that's realistic. That's what would happen. They're not having these like sexy bouncy curls while they're, you know, running around on like Leotards. <laughs> it just it I loved I only have sexy bouncy curls when I'm running around in my leotard. So I don't know what you're talking about, Kelly. Yeah, oh I While aspire to you. Crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killer movie, incredible uh soundtrack album. The soundtrack is one of my favorite mm-hmm. records of the year. It's one of maybe the first time I've ever had the experience, the very like a niche comic book nerd experience of like seeing something pretty obscure that I've read a lot of comics about and have never seen on screen, like getting to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also want to call out uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Huntress, who oh, is yeah. sublime in this. This is kind of the take on the Deadpool thing or the Quentin Tarantino thing that is like most appealing to me. I think particularly because Harley Quinn is also like a fourth wall breaking, irreverent, violent character. But in this movie, she's surrounded by everyone else is like a real person who is aware of how annoying she is and is trying to do things. Right. And so it's also kind of about like what it would be really like to deal with someone who's a character like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not about them making like a giant shift. It's about them like doing one thing to be a little bit less of a jerk once, which I think is great. Yeah. Number eight, I'm thinking of ending things. Trippy, trippy, trippy. This is a Charlie Kaufman movie on Netflix. It is about a couple who just started dating 
who go on a very long road trip to his house out in the country for Thanksgiving to see his parents. And on the trip and as they get there, strange things start happening. It's sort of a, it's a very dreamy, very wordy, atmospheric horror film. It's David Thewlis and Tony Collette as the parents of the son who are doing some crazy things. It's very referential to other media. Uh, Laura, thoughts on I'm thinking of ending things? It had my mind reeling for days, which a lot of movies, I can separate my my brain and my thoughts pretty easily when I leave the movies, especially like scary movies. I just like disconnect from them when I leave because I don't want to be scared (laughs) anymore. But I could not do that with this movie, which is saying a lot. It's absolutely like beautiful in the screenwriting and also like just in the film itself and the cinematography. Um, Very, very interesting. I know it's really different from the book, which I haven't read. A lot of people were not happy about that. It is also one of my favorite films of the year, but I just, I still don't really understand it, but it was just beautiful and and really, really weird. Like really weird. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I also, I feel like the main thing people say about it is confusing, which is fair, but I do want to be clear, at least to me, it isn't confusing on a moment to moment level. Like, it's not like strange things are happening and you don't understand why they're happening. It's just sort of that, like, up until the very end, you're not certain sort of what is causing this and what they're getting at. But it is, like, the events of this movie, anyone could track. Like, it's about them being in the car. It's about them getting to the house. It's about them going to the basement. It's not, like, incomprehensible things are happening and you're like... What am I looking at? Mm. There's also some really cool parallels to the musical Oklahoma. They have the whole dream ballet in there. In a, Interesting. It's very cool. Um, and when I was watching it, I was like, wait a second. Well, they make <laughs> references to Oklahoma pretty much throughout the whole thing. And yeah. then they start doing the dream ballet kind of, I mean, very unexpectedly. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is so like it was just woven like so well into the script it was just so cool seeing that it's a little hard to talk about without spoiling i will say what they're getting at with the ending i think is very bold and it's kind of something that you get the most you kind of need to come in with certain things in order to get what is going on and for that i was very thankful to have watched it with you who got all of the oklahoma stuff and helped us piece it together a little bit but i would uh straight up recommend it to to anyone to anyone old enough to be watching it yeah we did have to put our brains together to be like what yeah what it's just a, happened here? it's a little dreamy beautiful frightening puzzle of a movie. I, have, I have a question is mm-hmm. it scary because i watched the trailer and i said absolutely not it not in the it freaked me out the trailer is, did no it's not as scary as the trailer because i know what you're talking about and it's not scary in the way that like you expect it to be it's just kind of unsettling okay interesting yeah it's a movie that is sort of like about a sense of dread escalating for two hours until it boils over and cracks. It's like worth the watch, though. It's so like Damn, your mind that just sounds your... like all of twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a bit it, like afterwards. I was like, I was a bit exhausted, which is how I felt after I watched uh, Midsummer very similar feelings not as not as drastic but just like exhausted from like trying like my it was making my mind like just yeah just 
go all these places trying to understand it and trying to like really just take it all in. I would love to watch it again. I'll watch it with you guys. It was great. (laughs) Me too. Okay. Number seven, I think Christopher Nolan's Tenet. This was the only blockbuster that came out in theaters this year post pandemic. It is a timey wimey adventure (laughs) from Christopher Nolan that features a very physically game John David Washington and Robert Pattinson along with a very tall Elizabeth Debicki and a truly <laughs> unhinged Kenneth Branagh as a Russian yes. supervillain. It's a movie that's all about doing every single thing in it with practical effects. Emmett, thoughts on Tenet? I mean, what did they pay Branagh in gin? <laughs> Come on. This this movie is so, it's so good. <laughs> Forget about Branagh. It doesn't even matter why he's in the movie. He like probably <laughs> should be played by a stand-in in like a caution suit or something. But but this movie kicks so much ass. John David Washington. Incredible. Oh my god. He is his own worst enemy. Truly. Chef's kiss. It's mm. wild, this movie. And Robert Pattinson. Chef's Ooh. Kiss. Love it. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so fun in this movie. Kind of play. This is kind of like his take on Bond. And yeah. I think maybe for Nolan, kind of like his take on doing a Bond movie too. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. Forget about Brenna. And Olivia Sticky Wicky. <laughs> What's her name? Olivia, Olivia Sticky Wicky. <laughs> Elizabeth you were really Wiki. close though. I'm mean, like, really close. Olivia Sticky Wiki. <laughs> Olivia um, the best supporting actress goes to. <laughs> Wait, what is her name then? Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> <laughs> well So the leading lady in this film is incredible. <laughs> she does have a child that is very emotionally important to her. We all do. What? What? <laughs> okay. What? Just go, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. We won't get an explanation for that one. <laughs> there is none. Whatever. I, I, she's, at one point, she's like, they're like, the whole world is going to die. She says, he, even my son. <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, man. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> Um. Wait, yeah. Thoughts on <laughs> this movie, this movie is really cool. It's more of a vibe than a movie. I feel like Christopher Nolan has this quote where he was like, uh, "Really, the key to unlocking Tenet was Travis Scott coming in and making the song oh, for geez. us." But it's like that. It like it is the vibe of the movie. That makes sense. If if Tenet was on Tinder, is it a good song? You'd probably like it, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, it's also a movie carried on the very strapping shoulders of John David Washington. Incredible. I mean, this movie is Hot Boy Summer. Mm. The things that John David Washington does in this movie with a fire truck and with a cheese grater have not left my mind ever since. Separately. Those are two separate It is a Hot Boy Summer movie. Uh Dude, when the two of them... Also Himish Patel in the speedboat. Get out of here. Get out of here. Mm. 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 Number six, mm. <laughs> straight up on Netflix. This is a 
movie written, directed, and starring James Sweeney. It is about a young gay man in Los Angeles with crippling OCD who, after sort of a lot of failures in his love life, decides to start dating a woman. It is a rom-com that is very stylistically and referentially inspired by the Gilmore Girls. It's so cute. Laura, what did you think about Straight Up? Is that it's really cute. The main actor is an incredible actor. Mm -hmm. I loved him in it. And I remember the color green. There's there's a lot of green in it. The sets are very colorful. And there was like, there's like really pretty houses and like, it, it is very stylistic. It's very beautiful. Yeah. The main character's job is sort of house sitting for rich people in Los Angeles. Oh. So the film plays out across a ton of like mansions that he's house sitting at. And it's all very symmetrical, all very beautiful. This is a movie I liked when I saw it and then just really stuck with me, like really had a profound impact on me. I don't think about myself as being someone who deals with OCD in a big way, even though my family <laughs> talks about me in those terms a lot. But like watching this movie, I related to a lot of it and it made me think about some things in my own life in a pretty big way and i think like you said james sweeney is like really a revelation in in all three roles like as the actor as the stuff he does with the direction and like we said this very witty very fast script and i think the ending this movie comes to is really beautiful and something i think about oh, a lot yeah, too. i just like remembered that final picture mm-hmm. yeah wow. the very last scene sort of yeah it's really how good. they figure out the puzzle of this movie is uh just wonderful. like this like whimsical unexpected relationship that mm-hmm. you get to watch um and you're like this is so funny this this like shouldn't be working this this shouldn't be like something that like clicks but it's really cool to see it's just really unexpected and mm. i really i did like it a lot Number five, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This is on Netflix. It's a courtroom drama from Aaron Sorkin, who knows courtroom dramas better than maybe anyone else. It is based on the true events of a couple of, well, it's actually, it's it's eight people who are protesting at the Democratic National Convention in the 60s, some of whom are who are very loosely, if at all, connected to each other, who are all put to trial after the presidential administration changes as a sign of, like, proving that we're not going to put up with young Democrats protesting the Vietnam War anymore. It is a fascinating, unbelievable true story I had never heard of. Laura, any thoughts on Trial of the Chicago 7? It's it's not always easy to watch this movie. I think it's a really important story. I'm shocked. Like this just goes to show like all the things they don't teach you in school and mm-hmm. how whitewashed our history classes are and and how we don't learn so many important things um and so many important things that people did. And and this movie really just hits out of the park. It it's an incredible representation of this story, I think. And yeah, had me bawling. <laughs> like really bad it it it's i'm still kind of processing through it to be honest we didn't watch it too long ago and it really just hit my heart and and it's a really important movie i really i really loved it and i appreciate it i'm really glad i watched it 
Yeah, me too. Definitely the most emotionally affected I've been by a movie this whole year. The performances in it, of which there are dozens, (laughs) are all incredible. I think I spent a lot of this year getting very angry that people just didn't tell me about history. Uh, This was spurred in January by doing a deep dive into the Lavender Act, which Emmett and I Mm -hmm. did together, and learning about sort of like the very open and public history of queer rights in the United States, Mm -hmm. and then learning throughout the year about the Atlanta race riots and even learning through Karina Longworth's podcast about the history of Song of the South and the way people reacted to it at the time it came out. This was another example of that, of me like not believing how close the conversation being had 60 years ago was to the conversation we're having at this exact moment. Mm. And the fact that we got there because people never talked about stories like this, like that whole generations were so close to exacting lasting change. And then because of tide shifts, it didn't happen. And then we forgot and have sort of barked up the same tree again. But this movie is, yeah, another movie that watching it in this year hit really different. And another movie I would recommend to everyone, to like literally everyone of age watching, I think anyone would enjoy it. What was that on? That's on Netflix, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Moving right along, number four, a very similar movie, Trolls World Tour. (laughs) (laughs) Emmett, Trolls World Tour. Uh, It's a bop. (laughs) Bop. 100%. It's so good. I have not seen the first Trolls. I have no plans to see the first (laughs) Trolls. I don't think any of us have. I never will. I would watch (laughs) Trolls World Tour any day of the week. It's so good. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Yeah. Amazing music. Killzone, Trolls World Tour. And um, I not do want to say that I went into it wanting to hate it. Um, it's impossible, and I don't hate it, and I don't, <laughs> I don't love it, but I do like it. I, I am, I'm kind of, I'm a bad, I'm a hater. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. I don't really like love animated movies, and especially like animated musical movies because I don't, I have a thing. Anyway, but I did actually like very much enjoy it there's like a whole like western uh cowboy part oh yeah i didn't give there's the pitch of this acid movie. trip yeah it's a, it yeah. i would love to do drugs on this movie i really <laughs> neglected okay uh this movie is uh as an animated film <laughs> set in a fantasy world where all of the lands are divided by musical genre uh, for instance, there's a pop world, there's an EDM world, there's a classical world, and the story is about the ruler of the rock world coming to take over all the other lands and turn them into rock. It is also, as you all have alluded to, an acid trip of a movie, <laughs> like the experience the experience of watching this movie cannot be described and i will say that i rewatched it once (laughs) after having already seen it and it still had that effect on me i still just could not believe what my eyes were observing on the screen it's more like watching a vine compilation on youtube filtered like If you like turned your TV to invert colors and turned it upside down 
and then oh, close yeah. your eyes and listen to it. Like that's the closest <laughs> thing you could get to the experience of can watching you, this movie. Can I mean I know we had some we probably had some trippy stuff as kids too, but like this being like a monumental movie of your childhood. I how what, what would you, it do there, to you? What would yeah. it do to you? I because it's just wild as an adult. Yeah, I feel like what hope what, we have for this generation? <laughs> like, what has? I just want to know. I just want to know their thoughts on it. I'm gonna have to ask the next. You're a kid teacher. I see. You can ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. Of like middle kids. schoolers though, and high schoolers who I've. I mean, some middle schoolers have probably seen it. We love this movie, and I think some people think it's kind of like a funny meme. No. And, like, there is a meme that it's a movie called Trolls World Tour that is this good, but I just want to say that it's really this good. No, it's really that good. It's not a meme. And I also think, like, the message of the movie is very important. And it's, like, it's a small thing. It's not that important, but I think preaching musical tolerance. Like, this movie is willing to engage in the conversation of, like, the inherent classism of musical genre and sort of, like what it means when people are like, I like everything except for rap and country mm. or like, except for rap metal and country, like what it really is saying when you are sort of closing yourself off from different musical genres. And it's not saying, you know, that you have to love every musical genre. It's a message about tolerance. Mm. And I love it for that. I think it's uh and acceptance and also gorgeous, funky beats. <laughs> And also, Emmett just got me um, finger puppet versions of many of the characters for Christmas, and I'm very excited about it. (laughs) So thank you, Emmett. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, number three, another animated movie. This is Onward from Disney Pixar. It is, uh, we actually watched this in theaters on opening weekend, and less than a month later watched it when it came out on Disney Plus in the middle of the pandemic. Wild experience. Which, yeah, was a wild experience. This is also set in a fantasy land. It's about... Two brothers whose relationship has been defined by the death of their father who find a way to bring back their dad for a day and then mess it up. So they sort of have 24 hours to go on a road trip adventure to bring their dad back and get to talk to him again. Kelly, thoughts on Onward? I know I just said I don't really like animated movies. I do (laughs) love this movie. It was... So sweet. It made me think a lot about uh, different things. It did make me see myself and my brother and like that the main character has like a very like is just always annoyed as his brother and doesn't appreciate him. And I feel like I specifically one brother do that too. And I was like, maybe I should appreciate these lovely gestures. It's sweet. It's sweet. It's super well done. It's Pixar, so great little movie. Um, ten out of ten recommend. I also love all the like fantasy. There's like fun like fantasy esque things that are really cool, and it's just like kind of fun to see another world. I love world building. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's built on a D and D world, which is fun. So mm-hmm. there's lots of little like jokes about that. I think there's one part in it. I can't remember exactly where it is, but there's a good old classic funny car chase in it. Oh yeah, that had me rolling <laughs> on the floor when I was watching this. I like that's the one part I do remember. Like, I freaked, large reaction I freaked from you. out about this car chase scene. Yeah, I think it's the best Pixar since Cars. Damn. I, I don't think it's agree. Absolutely top scale Pixar. It's I top, think it's top Pixar. As good as Wally, Ratatouille, Incredibles, Toy Story, mm-hmm. Take Your Pick. I think it is as good as the best stuff they've done. It's just a great original story, and I think everybody like can relate to it and see themselves in it. 
which is like the great thing about yeah. Pixar. Pixar always does mm-hmm. that. But I think like just like the family aspect, even if you don't have an older brother, you know, you have maybe like that sweet relationship with a mom or like any of your siblings really you yeah. know there's just, just something you can always relate to and that final that final scene's gonna make you cry it will it it did <laughs> it did it It will <laughs> yeah it made me cry both times i saw it i think the emotional twist that this movie pulls is incredible and i also think it is like so much fun to watch a stellar movie okay number two the vast of night this is a movie uh, on Amazon Prime. Mm. It is set in New Mexico in the 1950s. And if that gives you some ideas, you might be on the right track. It is about a woman who runs the telephone operating line, and a, a young woman and a young man who runs a radio station while most of the rest of the town is at a basketball game, it is all set in one night. It's very atmospheric. It's very much like set in the 50s. And like, it's not so much a Mad Men thing as it is like trying to put it in like what would really be like if you were like following a bunch of people in the 50s around. And it is a movie that is sort of less about the story they're telling than how they're telling it, mm, if that's mm-hmm. fair to say. It is less about it being an original story you've never seen before than a story you've never seen told in this way before. Yeah, it's a very theatrical script. There's mm. like a whole scene where the screen just goes blank and you're listening to a monologue. And and you don't even really, as you're watching it, realize that that's a strange thing for a movie to do because it just like it just sets itself sets itself up by just using like this really like thick like language and and flowy language the whole movie so that when it gets you to that point and and it also incorporates that whole radio show aspect where you're just listening and i thought that was like the cool that was such a cool part of that movie where the screen is just blank and you're just you're just listening for so long and and you're it just transports you and it does such a good job it's super theatrical in that way yeah i think this may sound a little redundant, but I think it is a movie about the power of words. And I think it very clearly has something to say about whose words we should be listening to mm. and whose we are ignoring. Emmett, Vast of Night? There's a scene in this that scares me. I, I mean, there's many was scenes about in this. this. I was going to talk about that scene. No, no, no. There's <laughs> like right two now. moments in this that scare me terribly but i want to talk about the one that kelly's not going to talk about okay and that is it's just her at the switchboard and it's got to be a three minute long shot incredible of just her at the switchboard switching out and talking to different people and like the tension is just raising and raising it and like by the end of it you feel like you're gonna throw up you're like so you're so nervous and like you think something's about to pop out behind her because the other thing is this whole movie is an alien movie, but you never know, like you don't know when or what or like how the aliens are going to manifest. So you're always sure that they're like right about to pop out and do something. Mm -hmm. Kelly, you want to talk about the other awful? Yeah. I didn't find this movie. I wouldn't say it's scary. It is just like eerie and tense, but there is, I don't want to spoil it. It is one of the most like, intense moments i've ever seen in a movie i maybe not intense it's it's just insane i like got chills i think about this 
fairly often. Oh, it's so spooky. Involving an old woman who lives alone or involving a car ride? There is a car ride. It is the car ride. And that one. The old lady scene also. That uh, scene is terrifying. Also, just a huge monologue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just her sitting on a chair monologuing. There's so many huge monologues in this. And they do such a good job. But I was never bored. I was never like. I can't. I'm There's, like it's bored. It's so well directed. I, it because, is insane because you don't get bored. You don't even realize that you're just listening to one person talk for a really long time, and that's how you know it's good because you would normally notice that. Yeah. Yeah. This was the first film from Andrew Patterson. I suspect it will not be the last. Mm-hmm. It's a film he independently financed by shooting NBA commercials wow. for the most part of the last decade and saved up all his money and made this movie. Made it for next wow. to no money and you would never guess it because like this film is absolutely gorgeous and yeah, the cinematography work yeah. they do in it. There's one specific long shot in general that is so incredible. My recommendation to anyone watching it would be to like give it 20 minutes because i think that it's not that it's boring up front but i think it's almost like watching a shakespeare play where at the beginning you will be like i don't understand what they're saying yeah and then like it it kicks into your brain as you go on yeah it's a bit of a different dialect yeah just being you know 1950s new mexico i also speak different i feel like they also like just kind of jump right into like the middle of life like there's no like well, this just happened to me, and that's like an exciting thing. It's just like they are like literally talking about like a basketball game, and they like lost something, like mm. like lost a jersey or something. I don't mm. really specifically remember, but it's not interest. Like, in I think that's a good point because, and it's sneaky that way because it the plot still develops pretty slowly, and so by the time the plot comes like kicks in, you like know what's you know everything you need to know to get going, but it just like tricks you into like feeling it as like the whole like the whole world is already there and alive by like having the first 20 minutes feel like all that other stuff is already going on yeah an excellent movie uh one of my two favorites of the year and when we talk about it, i'm like oh maybe it's number one so uh the last movie we have to talk about is bad education mm. this is a movie on hbo max it is the second film from the young playwright Corey finley whose debut was 2018's Incredible Thoroughbreds. Oh, uh, so Yeah, good. if you've watched The so, Queen's so Gambit good. and you love Anya Taylor-Joy, go and watch Thoroughbreds because you love her in that too. And then watch The Witch. Uh-huh. This movie and Thoroughbreds are both movies that have some hang-ups about New England suburbia. <laughs> uh, okay, this movie is a true story, and I've actually done a lot of research into it, and it's... 95% true based in large part on the fact that it was written by someone who was a first-hand witness to everything that happens. It's set in Long Island in the early 2000s. It's a little difficult to talk about without spoiling like the true thrill ride that is this movie of uncovering what is going on. But it stars Hugh Jackman in a uh, career best performance as the principal of a very wealthy high school where the vice principal played by Allison Janney early on is discovered to have been embezzling money from the school. It also involves a subplot with the school's high school newspaper reporting team, sort of uncovering a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes. It is sort of a mystery thriller 
and also an unbelievable true story. Kelly, thoughts on Bad Education? I loved it. It is very hard to talk about it without giving stuff away. Uh, There's like one reveal in it that is so good and like so scary. It also, I love that you love like the bad guys in it too. Like Mm -hmm. I, I love movies that I'm like rooting for like, and again, I'm saying it now. I don't even think they are villains. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, they are definitely criminals, but I don't <laughs> think they're like bad people. But they made the movie made Just me do bad that. Educators, they're bad educators. Yeah, I th- I blame it on the schools. I would just say that this movie was a trip for me because it truly just hits hits so close to home, like like across the pond, close to home, mm. and that is. The high school I went to. Laura's from the North. Like that, like just a hair less of the accent. Mm -hmm. Not like there's still an accent, but that those were the front desk ladies. That was my principal. Like the, that didn't happen at my school. Whatever happened to this movie did not happen at my school. Maybe. I don't know. But I was tripped out for like a good 20 minutes at the beginning of it just because I was like, how did they, how did they get this so right? (laughs) I was like, this is weird. They got it really, they got it good. That's I, what it, that's what my high school was like. I do want to say also, I forgot about this. Annalie Ashford is in this. Oh yeah. She's, she's like great. a side character. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love her, uh, from her stage performances, but she is killing it. Hollywood proud should hire her. her. I'm so proud they of did. her. They should hire her more. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. 10 out of 10 performance. Lots of good theater actors in this. Uh, Emmett? Hugh Jackman. Career best. Truly. Incredible. He's so good. He's so, he's so good in it. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's all I've got to say. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I want to give a special shout out to uh, Rafael Casal, who is incredible in Blind Spotting, which Kelly and I rewatched together. Yes, playing a character in that, uh, playing a white rapper who is so specific that it feels like it must be who he is in real life. And then in this, he is like this unbelievable dreamboat who has, I I will also say, an incredible dancing scene. Like one of the sort of most like dreamy, tragic, evocative dancing scenes in this. And plays like a completely different character from anything I've seen him do before. But everyone in this movie absolutely knocks it out of the park. And uh, you can watch it and, and be shocked about what was happening. That probably happens a lot more than you think. I'm sure, I mean, think of how many times that it doesn't get relayed to the public and we don't know about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or people just never get caught. Never Mm -hmm. get caught. Absolutely. That's my motto. All right. Well, those are our favorite movies of the year. Hopefully it gives (laughs) you guys a little something to watch in the uh, holiday and in the slow January months. Thank you, guys. I love those slow January months. The many slow <laughs> January <laughs> Slow <months>. January. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about the pandemic. I don't know if people also remember how horrible last January was. It like, sucked. That was a specific thing to last year that it felt like January was like three months long. It was oh, long. yeah. What all happened that was bad? Australia was burning down. Oh, I think yeah. Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Bryant died. Uh-huh. There was just like oh, a lot yeah. of things all Shit. at once. I did sober January. Doolittle Kelly was sober. Out. I was bad. Damn. I was working a lot and was. I remember being like at work, 
sweeping up the floor, watching the news every night, and just being like, good God, this is horrible. And then oh, March came. <laughs> I got an almost $2,000 speeding ticket? Isn't that... Or wait, it how was much was it? $800. $800 mm-hmm. speeding but it was a ticket mistake. that ended up being a clerical error. Uh, but I didn't find that out in January, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't I mean, a good month. Not good there. I um, was walking all around neighborhoods, knocking on people's doors. Oh, in the rain! In, uh, in, in all in all types of climate. Yeah. I just remember you coming home like wet one night. And you're like, I no longer like this job. Uh, well, thank you guys for watching movies uh, with me this year. Thanks. Yeah, for, it was a pleasure. For, yeah. Couldn't ask for better movie watching partners. Thanks mm-hmm. for making the best popcorn almost every time we watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's really good. Coming to the merch, the Cinema Bones merch site soon. <laughs> Some popcorn, popcorn made by Warren. <laughs> Just in uh, little Ziploc baggies mailed to your house. Yeah, it may be stale, but I actually really like it stale well, if too. They're in, if they're in little Ziploc baggies, they'll probably yeah. make it there fine. Yeah. 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 Oh, and thanks to all our listeners for supporting us oh, yeah. Yeah. through this yeah. these last couple of months. Our first, the first year that we were a podcast is ending, yeah. and we're really excited to go into the next one. Hot dog. I'm super stoked. We will be back next week, same time, same place, in the new year. With Days of Future Past, thank you, Kelly and Laura, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. You're always always a pleasure. Uh, All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. God bless us, everyone. And old acquaintance people. Merry Christmas. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.